0: world
1: oh we're now the marathon thing
0: ah, sean i've been practicing this in secondary school <laughs> oh, my bad my it. bad i
1: got so excited i got so excited you go ahead go ahead
0: i was hoping my career as an advert voiceover was coming to life but to the point we are going to barcelona for paddy's day they have changed the date of the marathon so we now have the extra day to leave we have no excuses PBs are there to be had from the 14th to the 17th of March, 2025. Myself and Sean are filling a bus. 56 people will be leaving Dublin airport and heading to Barcelona. I am making a t-shirt for the trip. It's going to be Eric approved. I cannot guarantee the medals. That's where I draw the line. Prices are still the same, but we do need to book by June 7th. So if anyone is thinking about coming, has signed up and pre-registered, you need to book this week. And if you're listening this week, you have to put your money where your mouth is on this one because we cannot guarantee the prices after this weekend. Aer Lingus, if you're listening, fuck oh off, don't change anything. But that is what we are doing. So the link to everything is in the bio. You'll be brought straight to the we transfer if you're traveling with a supporter, if you're traveling on your own and willing to share, or if you just want your own room. We have every option available and it's going to be a fantastic weekend.
1: Like Eric said, the link to that is in our Instagram bio at any given run day podcast. With that said, it's this week's episode of the Any Give Monday podcast. Let's go, Eric. Yes. Do you know anyone in San Antonio, Texas?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: Just curious. Just uh, what about Fitchburg, Wisconsin?
0: Uh, no.
1: No. <laughs> okay. Um, I have no idea where you're going
0: with this. Uh, you know anyone in Norway? No. <laughs> you know anyone in Israel? I have a lot of friends. There could be a few lads in the army overseas in Israel, isn't it? They're over
1: in Lebanon. I don't know. Anyway, I'm just, just looking at our stats for the podcast. And, yeah, you know, we are okay with the podcast, but there are people who are listening to this episode. So I just want to give them a shout out and say, you know, thank you for listening to the, to the episode of the podcast. It's, it's I do, unbelievable. I just have to see the there and like, in the stats there. It's like when we talked about the intro, I was like, just see how the stats and stuff going. You know, and not, not make everything about figures and stuff like that. But you just see these random places popping up. You're kind of like, what do I know in San Antonio, Texas? Like, all right, fair enough. Uh, so yeah, no, thanks for listening to the podcast. We're, I think we're approaching 8,000 downloads, stuff like that now. So we're, we're slowly building up and it's getting, it's getting better and better. And our guests are getting great as well. And we've got a great guest on the podcast today.
0: Yeah, this one is fantastic, Sean. And, and a, a lot of, we talked about, about food and we, we've started trending towards the foodie talks and our Q and a last week brought up a lot about food. So this week we have Catherine Stewart coming on um, and, and, it was well, obviously we're recording the intro after we recorded, but it was an absolute education. I actually sat here all tonight, and I've had to take a long look at myself. But and to be honest, to give ourselves credit as well that that we have been working towards the right thing, and uh, a lot of what she was saying is what we kind of are starting to believe now, which we haven't for years. But we've we've started to come around. But it is a phenomenal listen, and and if if you're training or not, uh, it's how important food is and it's just it is a phenomenal listen in her own opinion but I I thought she was amazing to listen
1: to Uh, there's there's a few things this episode like sorry Catherine I I hold my hands up and I admit a few things that I believed in back then in terms of the myths and things like that that she dispels but there's, there's so much knowledge in this one genuinely get a pen and paper for this one because there's even different figures in terms of uh what you build towards right, calories you should be having and, and all the rest and i don't want to spoil it too much better i don't even want to paraphrase it because i won't do it justice guys so what we're going to do is get straight into this week's episode of the any given one day podcast right before we do though um do check out the description notes for katrin's instagram ton of knowledge in that as well with that said guys this this week's episode of the any given one day podcast enjoy So guys, a few weeks ago in the podcast, we had a Q&A with myself and Eric, and a couple of questions came in on um, micronutrients and more nutrition kind of questions. And we were honest with you, we put our hands up and said, we don't know, we could give you layman's terms on a few things, but we're not in depth in that. And we said, we're going to find someone. Well, Eric went out there and he found someone. Eric, who do we have this week on the Any Given Monday podcast? Sean,
0: this week we have Katrin. Hi, Katrin.
2: Hi, how are you? how,
0: Katrin, are, you? how are we? And uh, good, so... You. As you said, people ask most about uh, micro-macro nutrients, Catherine, and uh, I had a McDonald's last night and I still don't know the difference between them, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very open about how bad my nutrition is. Uh, I try to be good, but uh, we said we get you on to hopefully answer some of these captions. So Catherine, tell tell us a little bit about yourself, some of your background and and all we need to know about you.
2: Um, oh, I, I'm always so bad at these types of things. So I'm a dietitian and um, also have a degree in sports nutrition. So um, I started in Glasgow initially and then worked in the NHS in hospitals and things but no one really asks you about you know what their granny should eat or anything like that they just want to know what to eat before workout or after workout and things like that so <laughs> um at that stage I was like you know I'm never I'm not gonna live in England for the rest of my working day so I was like this will be my way out to get home and then I came home did sports nutrition masters and then thought I'd work with all these sports teams and things like that it didn't really work out like that <laughs> I, I know you ended college. up on a yeah.
0: podcast with us too yeah. I know <laughs> <laughs>
2: The world works in wondrous ways um and then um uh, so I worked in the NHS again and then I had like a little quarter life crisis thought I didn't know what I was doing um and then I went to went on holidays I I quit my job which uh, to go on holidays for seven weeks which then turned out to be five weeks because we messed up our visas um <laughs> which was not ideal but while I was away then I got offered a job in Dubai in a gym oh, yeah. there so I never wanted to go to Dubai or visit it didn't really interest me I thought it was all fake and I mean there was no culture and then I was like I'll just do the interviews anyway so I had three Skype interviews and I ended up getting the job there so then I came back just worked until my visa and all that was sorted and then went to Dubai for what I thought was going to be three years of intense saving and I'd come back loaded and then COVID <laughs> happened so, <laughs> uh, so that was cut quite short but it was a great work and holiday I would say Um, so I worked in a gym sports facility there but gyms out there are mental it was like a club and a gym all rolled into one there was like a full-time DJ hired there was like Berkeley musicians there and stuff as well so I tried every like class that I could because I always think maybe I'm good at a sport and I just don't know it or haven't found it yet but um, we're still searching um <laughs> um so then COVID cut that short because it was in a gym and then um in Dubai if you're in debt you can't leave the country and probably get jailed so I wasn't in debt whenever I left but I thought you know it's highly likely that not having a job I might run out of some money so then I ended up um coming home and worked in like a COVID ward in London for a little while. And then I um, got offered some work with Dublin Nutrition Centre. And so then I decided to go freelance there and have been doing that since September. And I love it. Like you get to see so many different types of clients, like from sports to more like women's health and fertility and PCOS periods. Periods and poo are my like favourite things to talk about. And I get to talk about them a lot. Lots at the minute in my job, so very content with that.
1: Eric, well, you the follow-up you're question there, not on one yet. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Follow that, up give that give one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, so then, so yeah. Now I'm just here. I live in um, Antrim. Love the beach. I just bought a new bike, so I'm buzzing about that. I didn't realise how expensive all the bike. Gear was, um, so we'll be building up slowly. Um, but it really,
0: really is a shock how much of an oh my gosh!
2: I know whenever I was it, looking yeah. it up, I was like, Does this come with an engine in the boot? Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> does it <laughs> so, cycle itself?
2: <laughs> yeah, so, um, I went to cycle this morning, it's really windy, and I'm terrified now. I think like the road bikes, like, you'll just like tip over if with a gust of wind, but um, yeah, so that's where we're at now. Um, I it live in a farm in as home. well, so. Maybe, I suppose, that's maybe a bit of sports nutrition can be applied to that sometimes as well. Um, you oh, yeah. and
0: Sean have so much in common. Sean's and six chickens at the minute. He's getting his, his protein oh, really? every morning. Well, I
2: usually, <laughs> escape most, I usually get to escape most of the farming, um, but this morning they didn't, so it's been the calves. But we're, they're well-weaned, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they actually drink, it's not like a...
1: Um, the the chickens know. is is pretty much all I do around here. They, they, don't, they don't trust me. I fed a lamb a bottle there two weeks okay. ago, a few lambs, but it's not good. It's, I, well,
2: I, I had a little, I was collecting stones the other night and I, like, I think in an hour I picked up three and I was like, really, is this like, is, it? is, <laughs> is this a joke? I don't know. <laughs>
0: and obviously before, before we get into it, obviously I, I should have mentioned that you you do have a fantastic instagram page called edible evidence and uh, edible underscore evidence and that's that's where we found you and it's um we were recommended to you by some by some of your colleagues who you probably studied with and worked with in the past so if uh, if people are listening and want to have a little look as we're talking through that that is your instagram and um, for catherine stewart and yeah you can have a have a little look through if you're listening and looking at the same time
1: we'll have that in the, in the show notes as well. So, so people don't have to, to, to uh, to, to, look at that, just click the link and be able oh, to completely. go straight to your Instagram from there. Catherine, is there, um, I know you are saying you're a freelance and you do different things. Is mm-hmm. there anything in particular that, um, in the nutrition sports nutrition field where mm-hmm. you hear about apart from poos and periods where you kind of light up, and you're like, that's my, that's my niche. That's my go-to. I could talk about that all day. Is there anything in particular you're like, that's my thing. Um,
2: well, I did work with a team doing race around Ireland. So that's probably why I was like, oh, you know, I think I'd really like cycling. And I loved, loved that side of things because it's just feeding people loads of carbs. And like usually people don't really, you know, think like, oh, that's a bit rubbish. Like, whereas if you're making wheat yeah. and things like it is a little bit more difficult. So um, like that side of things and then also doing I suppose, talks for teams and things like that. And just answer in general queries because that's the whole reason I started that Instagram page was because I kept complaining about all the rubbish nutrition information you see. And then someone said, well, why don't you play them with their own game? And I was like, I oh, do you know that's a good idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's where it came from. Um I probably like, um, dissolve an embarrassment if I looked back to my first post, but I'm sure you got to start somewhere.
1: That's <laughs> it. I, I, th- things are always changing. Do you have a hard time with a buy in, even something simple as simple as carbs? Like um, like a lot of stuff out there, your carbs are evil, low fat, mm-hmm. keto diets. Do you find it with, 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 with people doing sports and stuff, you would have that hard time to yeah buy into more carbs definitely
2: because like we like I'd see like a lot of like maybe like student athletes at the minute and like they'll come and say they want to improve performance, but then all of the things they're doing is specific to body composition when actually maybe for the sport they do like that doesn't really play too yeah. big a, a part in things. So I suppose there is a lot of like education, and I suppose there's like easier things to try and reintroduce like avocados of a bit of a healthier low honey compared to you know a big bowl of crunchy cornflakes or something like that is easier to add in there as well but I remember seeing this really useful graph and performance was on the what is it y-axis and carbs are in the x-axis and it only goes up it never goes down so your performance always increases with carbs and obviously people you know maybe want to try out fasted cardio or it just works better for them in terms of time and wise but um yeah i do enjoy the education side of things especially if someone's really interested and open to but you know learning more and new ideas that maybe they weren't kind of following previously
0: can i can i ask you something on the fast thing this is something i've always wondered um so people who are doing these fast diets and it puts them into the state of ketosis and so that's what they're trying to do essentially are they not just cutting out a meal so they take in less calories a day so they start to lose weight is that
2: Yeah, yeah. There's no kind of fancy thing that's working in any better way. I suppose it works for some people really well, and for others, not, not too well. So, I think I probably maybe used to be a bit more hardline in this, and I was like, oh, that's rubbish. Like, you shouldn't do that. But do you know it suits some people really well, and they're not hungry, you know, in the morning times. And if that it means that it's not to the detriment of missing out on any other nutrients by cutting out maybe an extra meal a day, then usually it's fine. For females, maybe they need to be a little bit more careful I suppose because um of their menstrual cycles and things anything that puts too much stress in the body can then scare away the periods so things that would add stress or intense exercise also um not eating enough so if you combine fat early fasted cardio early fasted like workouts then I suppose that's a bit of a concoction um for problems down the line so I suppose it is quite individual
0: what would be your best advice for our female listeners? Because I know, and, and they are the ones that always get targeted with these kind of yeah. diets or, or fat diets, so yeah. what would be your, in a nutshell, a quick one on that one, what, what's your best advice on them for, to so manage
2: time restricted feeding is just another way of cutting calories. So if you can do that in a way where you're maybe looking at your portion sizes, looking at the types and the amounts of snacks, then that might be a better option for you. But if you do want to go down the, Intermittent fasting route, then your recovery meal is doubly important. So there's no skimping on carbs and at that. Okay, very good.
1: Um Catherine, you're talking about there about um micronutrients. You actually had, he had a very good post um on February 14th. to said eat food, oh, not nutrients. Yeah. Um yeah. Like, oh, so yeah. like,
2: so so can't put so that up little <laughs>
1: But it, it it clicked not not personally, but it clicked. Mm. So you knew what you were getting at. That is there a case of like we you have all like vitamins and different things to have yeah. out there. When I suppose more from a sports background, in terms of going into running and, and more long distance stuff, yeah. cycling, or whatever is there a time where there's different um do you have like iron deficiencies do you need more magnesium do you need vitamin d all need all year round apart from just in the winter or is there a case of you're gonna get that through your food anyway and you don't need you don't need those extra supplements
2: so i suppose it depends on the individual but the key one that would come to mind is vitamin d so between like if you as a rule of thumb between halloween and Paddy's day you definitely want to be taking vitamin d regardless of if you work outside or you know you're maybe not training as hard because we get it from the sun and you know well sometimes between paris day and halloween there's not much sun as well but yeah. the <laughs> sun definitely isn't strong enough during those winter months so you want to be taking it during those times so that would be kind of the non-negotiable one for bone health as well but also there's some studies on vitamin d and aerobic capacity and aerobic fitness and um, as well so if i'm working with athletes and they're kind of like well like i don't you know i've never broken a bone in my life it doesn't really resonate too much with them if then you can bring in something performance related then it can be really helpful so vitamin d probably the main one vitamin c you can get enough vitamin c from one potato a day or um a quarter of a pepper four strawberries it's really easy to get in and actually like the vitamin c supplements i'm thinking of a main one that turns your pee orange um, ah, have yeah. after a, a night out um and, you basically uh, pee out the additional stuff that you take in so it's water soluble it doesn't stay in the body so it's kind of a bit of a expensive urine um and then in terms of iron um those types of things if someone follows a vegan or vegetarian diet they sometimes need more iron up to one and a half 1.8 times um just because the absorption's a little bit slower so that's or a little bit what le- less absorbed from plant sources, basically. Um, so they need a little bit more. And then the other one I'd be thinking about is omega-3. So if you don't eat oily fish like salmon, sardines, mackerel, all those types of things, then you'd maybe want to consider an omega-3 supplement. But for the vast majority, apart from vitamin D, most people don't need to be taking a supplement um, all year round or throughout the year at specific times for training.
1: Just quickly on, on omega three, and I know I'm gonna butcher this word, but it came, it came during the week. I don't know if it's a like marketing gimmick or what it is. Yeah, polycentinol, polyfentanyl. You need with omega three certain things. They say mm-hmm. you need to get this and this together. And like you see, yeah. do you need that or do or is it when you, you see a shop, you see like vitamin D's combined with calcium and magnesium. I'm like, oh, three for one here. This is brilliant. I will take that. are you just taking that for the sake of taking that like or or is it just like just get omega-3 and that's it
2: yeah so magnesium can help with the absorption of vitamin d and vitamin d for the absorption of calcium but you know if like you're a milk lover or you take loads of calcium on and you eat a varied diet you might not actually need that and they're probably more expensive if they're combined so more isn't always better whenever it comes to Um, vitamins and supplements and things like that as well Um, and then you mentioned about the omega-3 so one actually that people do is they see like omega-3 and then they see omega-3, 6 and 9 they're like oh here we'll get all of them but actually (laughs) you just you want to focus on the omega-3 because already usually we have enough omega-6 and maybe too much so you want to think about the ratio of omega-3 to 6 so just focus on the omega-3 just a the
1: omega-3 brilliant uh just while we're on this macronutrients just before we, yeah. we jump off i suppose another polarizing one uh, and people claim it, it, it's the the be all end all for weight loss all the rest apple cider vinegar oh yes mm. good bad or i can see the hatred in your eyes already now i will not take it i've never taken it i remember my dad had it for kidney stones yeah and all the good bad we had it for that and afterwards yeah. like this is the good stuff, shot And the last time I was there, yeah. I was like, "No, just try it." It's in a gummy bear. I was like, "I don't want no gummy bear." I don't know the gummy bear apple cider vinegar. He's like, "Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't taste like apple cider vinegar." I said, like, "Don't care. Don't want it. <sighs> good or bad, what's what, what's the deal with it? Is it is it just?"
2: Um, good? I'm going to say the boring answer: No foods are good or bad, but okay, um, it's bad for your teeth. That's the main one. Um, If you're drinking it, especially if you're drinking it neat, sounds more exciting if you say you're drinking it Um, So like it doesn't have any additional benefits. Like if there's any difference in the blood sugar response, it is teeny, teeny, teeny. And you'd be better just increasing fibre. And actually, I did actually see my dad um, drinking it one day and I was like, what? I think it must have picked up in the shop. But then now sometimes he gives it to his calves. So I'm like, do you know what? Maybe it's not all that bad. Apparently there's the vet has some... uh, Secret uh, weapon there, but um, overall for humans, um, not necessary. It's a nice salad dressing if you're into that, but otherwise not much other. Not no.
0: much. No. So it's just one of these old tales yeah. that's
2: stood the test of time. Yeah, know. and it's so expensive as well. Great <laughs> yeah. marketing. D- oh.
0: You see it just all,
1: all the time. Now. It's so dear. that's like ten euros something for a bottle mm-hmm. of are like, like, wow, what what's going on? And um, I
2: definitely tasted nicer salad dressings, like. A- <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: I definitely would. Unbelievable. Oh, um, just on the apple side of it, is there other things like that where you hear constantly, is there, is there constantly something like, that's always been said to you, just kept keep on debunking, and then you're kind of like, no, that's not a thing.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm trying to think. There definitely is loads of ones. Like, there's certain foods that people mention, and you're just like, you don't like the taste of this, but you're just, or like, you know, we're, well, I suppose I don't want to name a certain visitor like I'm thinking of, but like just things that are really health foody, expensive things that actually you could get them from your bog standard, like fruit and veg in any corner shop. Um, those types of things.
1: I've been guilty of two of them in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I have spent the extra three, four euro on pink Himalayan salt because I thought it was better oh, for yes, hydration that and stuff. One. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that that's we're we're putting that We're saying that's that's a myth. Just salt to
2: salt. Yeah, absolutely. Unless like, yeah, on even less benefits of your colorblind, like no difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's 20 year
1: old Sean told totally the difference of that one. <laughs> Other one uh, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but I had a friend, he won't be mentioned because some people uh, know this. We used to go to the gym early in the morning on the way back. We go around the shop. We, we get it. Now, I wasn't interested in extra calories, less calories. Yeah. He may have been. And um we'd all, now I like it but well, we'd yeah. always get black pudding on the roll because black pudding was a superfood. Oh,
2: do you know, I've never heard of that one. Yeah, it I was remember. a marketer for
1: a while that they said black pudding is one of those big superfoods. You had to have black pudding. And, and, and oh, afterwards really? they came out and they said, no, that was just a marketing thing. You've never heard <laughs> that one, no?
2: No, I haven't actually, but I never really eat black pudding. So we may need to look into it more. Potentially. Don't look at the
1: one that's made of, but.
2: <laughs> like, I suppose it depends what time you're going to the gym at if you'd want to eat that after as well. No, I wouldn't go out of my way to have it. Like a pint of milk, you'll be five star recovery.
1: So they're, they're just, to just clarify, there's there's no real superfoods or, or anything like that. There's no
2: no, like literally. I'm trying to think of other ones. I would have thought. Was of. it
0: blueberries? Blueberries, I think, were in that category. Oh,
2: or yeah. Isn't it? yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, not a superfood. Yeah, there's. I you I suppose you could say all foods are super or all foods are bang average, but I suppose it depends on the. The combination of things but generally if like something if you're paying like a fiver for fruit there's no <laughs> <laughs> i'm a really i so food savvy like i'll spend like like get the own brand of everything and yeah i remember in dubai a pot of yogurt was five pounds and i love yogurt and i was just like i don't know how long i can fund this lifestyle it's too long <laughs> <laughs>
0: champagne life on a yeah. <laughs> and that is another thing, I suppose. People are more afraid to go at own brand because they feel like something yeah. else is better quality. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. sometimes it could be, but is there much of a difference if you're reading the back and making sure that the yeah. the right stuff is there? Is there is there much of a difference? Can you make well, a big like, say? Take for instance,
2: whatever? like tint tomatoes. There's always three versions. There's like the branded version, the nice supermarket version, and then the one that doesn't have the pulley lid. <laughs> you know, i found out the hard way whenever i didn't have a tin opener trying to open one of those with a knife and i'm just happy to have all my fingers intact but, um like if you look at the back of those they're tin tomatoes regardless like it's you know apart from the pulley lid there's not much difference in them at all and you can see if like you know a quid on them or a euro on them so um and then what other things yeah i suppose like organic might drive up the price of foods again but i remember analyzing different mayonnaises i really don't know i think it was like a garlic mayo kind of tree in at that stage and analyzing the different mayos like the branded versions of supermarket brands and actually the supermarket brands tended to be lower in fat lower in calories lower in saturated fat um so it's not always i suppose the well-known brands that are going to be the healthiest or the the best option
0: so not only does it is it more beneficial for your health it's actually more beneficial for your pocket to to start looking at what's what's in these foods yeah. and which one you should go for compared to three yourself.
2: Yeah, exactly. You're probably gonna have some things like, you know, baked beans and things that maybe you wouldn't negotiate on different types of brands. <laughs> <laughs> People are really um sensitive about that. But um for like, you know, tin tomatoes, there's not gonna be much difference
0: definitely not not with the meals that a tin tomato is going to go into it's usually mixed into something else so that it's yeah exactly
2: frozen and fresh that's always ones that come that comes up as well but actually if you like if I looked in our fruit bowl now there's going to be some dodgy looking apples in there so like I wouldn't eat them whereas like if you bought frozen fruit it's picked at the time where it's just ripe and then all the goodness is locked in until you want to eat it there's less waste as well whereas like I'm sure loads of us are guilty of buying fruit and then it sits there for a while or like maybe it's already dented whenever you come home or it rolls onto the ground whenever you're <laughs> putting yeah. it in the middle or something like that so yeah um, also another cost saving less waste as well
0: and that's a, That's one thing I've done with a couple of our meals again not an expert never claimed to be but I've been using frozen veg for my meal yeah. prep and I've been I've been, you know like if I'm using fresh peppers I'll actually chop them myself and freeze them myself yeah. if I want the slightly larger ones not Um but it, people are kind of like, oh, but the fresh stuff is better. And I'm like, I literally yeah. read the back and it says 100% peppers. <laughs> and
2: like, yeah, no exactly. There's no deviation. Carbs. And now there's so many good frozen options, like frozen, pre-chopped, like herbs, spices, onions, all the like tedious things. So if you are time per, but you still want to like batch cook, meal prep, and like that, I suppose it gives you more opportunity to have the time to do that. As opposed to think, okay, it's going to take me 20 minutes to like prep all this stuff when you can just get a bag of, you know, Frozen mixed veg, or even like the oh, what one am I obsessed with? Like the char grilled Mediterranean veg or something. Once I shared it on my Instagram, and then it was sold out for like three weeks. And it, it's not because of me. I'm not like a <laughs> big <immigrant laughs> like that. I was just like, I'm never telling people about this again. Yeah, if
0: if, <laughs> if we sell out frozen peppers now, in the next few months in, uh, in Ireland, <laughs> we'll yeah. know it was because of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I suppose in,
1: with with the the pandemic and stuff like that, you might have people. I don't know like sometimes, you know, binge eating food, different relationships with food. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've we, we talked before in this this podcast, you know, good food, bad food, mm-hmm. and, you know, label like that could lead to an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. And what would be your approach to someone who's coming to you with that and they're, they're struggling with that in terms of would you give them counting calories, counting macros, or is yeah. that also uh, you're developing a bad relationship? Like what would be your your, your general approach before? Like, obviously everyone's an individual, but yeah. a general start, what way would you go with that?
2: I suppose I remember like in terms of the would you start counting calories to kind of control that. Um, I remember someone giving the analogy, if you're trying to put out a fire and you've got a hose or a pressure washer and someone comes along and puts petrol on it while you're hosing that, then it's going to take the whole process. You know, it's going to take the process or extend the process, make it longer as well. So I suppose with the counting calories, then you're still putting more restrictions on your food. And before binging will always be restricting usually so the thing that you restrict is usually a thing that you binge so like no one will say like oh my gosh and then i had like three bags of broccoli and was disgusted (laughs) (laughs) like no one ever says that it's always like carbs or it'll be like higher fat foods or like chocolate or crisps or something that maybe someone's been consciously trying to restrict so usually you'll find that the pattern is maybe binging happens in the evening time or it's usually quite secret or um and maybe at certain times of the day or after meals. But if you think that person maybe isn't binged at nighttime, then they wake up the next day and think, oh my gosh, like I feel so bad. Like I'm going to like get back on track, inverted commas. Mm. I'm going to like restrict what I eat to make up for that. And then the cycle just continues. So usually it's more balanced in the earlier part of the day without even thinking about, okay, try not to binge or remove like the triggers from the latter part of the day. Cause usually there is a bit of hunger that's just multiplying The emotional side of binge eating as well um which can be massive massive too so it is quite complex but it's definitely um something that can be overcome with the right um i suppose with the right advice so if you go to like say if someone's binge eating and then they go and get given a calorie target or set macros and things then that's just imposing more rules on Mm. what's already there and can complicate things further
0: yeah, it is a tough one. And I know uh, my mom doesn't listen to the podcast, but mom has, a t- I have a terrible sweet tooth, but I know where I get it yeah. from. But I do find like little snacks behind the couch and stuff. And yeah. she's like, oh, they're not fine. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> we don't
2: yeah. Exactly. I don't and I do think done. like, I suppose there's more coming out now about like, don't reward your children with food or like give them like mm. the good, the, I suppose the treat options with the healthy options too. Like my like i suppose if you're in a farming family like every like hour there is tea and biscuits or in case someone comes around, like even the pandemic the past year when you physically aren't allowed to visit people's houses my mom's like there's no biscuits in this house if someone comes around like (laughs) (laughs) like, no one's coming apart from postman but um like when we were younger she used to hide the biscuits and i think oh my gosh i was like obsessed with those types of things because i was like where are they at it's like a treasure hunt to try and find them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like a sweet shop when you open the boot of the car like they're not getting in the house um but yeah i suppose it's fine like just giving yourself permission to eat the food at that time if you do overeat it just you know it's done it's in the past but don't let it affect your future food decisions and maybe even write down like people might notice a pattern like saying like a thursday like they've really long day of zoom meetings and it's like Draining, and they don't have time to kind of eat maybe better meals at the earlier part of the day. They might start to notice that pattern, and then try and put in maybe little I suppose speed bumps to slow that journey to, that leads to binge and um, yeah. so detang- detangle the issues behind that. And obviously, working with like a therapist who can help with that side of things too.
0: it's
1: mad. It no. make- Sorry, son. It- no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was yeah. going to agree that's mad, mad, but go ahead
0: it's uh, it's one thing as well and it's something we have talked about on the podcast before in terms of habits and decision making and and like mm-hmm. that people who are busy making decisions all day in work and um, they're constantly making decision after decision mm-hmm. when it comes to five, six o'clock in the evening when you're tired the, the, the not the bad food the, the the ones that's more I suppose uh, the bingy foods that we all yeah. like the chocolates, crisps, yeah. the, the frozen pizzas it becomes the easier decision I suppose and as mm-hmm. we've spoken about the the chopped veg the meal prep it's 20 minutes here and what will i have with it so yes, i don't know if that is the sign or is something you might have yeah i actually read something about
2: um that side of things where like if you're constantly making decisions throughout the day then you're exhausting that side of your brain Mm -hmm. i don't know where i read it actually um and then actually just like as the day goes on, you just don't have that brain power to be like, let's think of a meal to create and those types of things. So I'd always say to people to have like two or three, like quick, easy, cheap, quick meal, like beans and toast with cheese or a baked potato china, or, you know, something that's really quick and takes minimal time. But you kind of know, OK, that's like your like, I suppose, quick and easy option. So there's always an option. It's not just like every night needs to be a meal prepped, balanced, balanced meal.
0: Yeah, and that's, and that's one thing and something we spoke was is that's why I started doing the meal prep because by the time I get home in the evening, I'm like, oh, I still have to train. I still have to cook. Yeah, and that's what the meal prep four or five days in the fridge. I, my dinner was ready in two minutes and yeah. that was it. I didn't need to. Take exactly.
2: And you kind of know like what's in it or like you've made it as well. Like I suppose I go through waves of meal prepping where I'm really organized and not so. So like probably for the past two weeks, I've had beans and toast for well, yeah probably at least like five or six times a week and it's just quick and easy but I definitely will get sickened of that soon so um but that's like my like I suppose go to easy meal or like eggs on toast or something like that that's quick and easy and that you kind of don't think oh like everything's going to pot like I'm making bad decisions left right and center yeah
0: it's very good it's very interesting it is and it's just uh, I suppose a lot of people and a lot of the clients we've had they, they do struggle with that now we do try and say look try and have a look at your calories try and have a look at your yeah. intake try and have a look at your habits and you know sometimes we we tell people if you like chocolate in the evening have, mm. have a square you know have yeah. that something to look forward to and maybe we're wrong to say that maybe you might correct us but I think when you tell someone you can't have any chocolate it just yeah. becomes this battle in your brain well for me it does anyways yeah it's like, yeah. Oh,
2: it's it's like that's when it's like, like okay like Whenever someone was it in a book I read or something, it was like, OK, don't think about a pink elephant. And like everyone's just going to think of a pink elephant, even though you've told them not to. And like I have to have chocolate like every evening, like it doesn't matter in what form. But like probably previously, maybe I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I need like a big share bar of chocolate. But it literally can be like one of those like kinder maxi bars. I'm obsessed with them at the minute. Mm-hmm. um But, you know, it can be something small. Sometimes it's just like that habit of having something sweet after a meal so maybe like you can work on downsizing that where you're not feeling deprived of having the nice things that you enjoy um eating mm-hmm. as well or like do you know the way if you get um like say like rich teas or something like that it's really low calorie and you're like oh I'll have a biscuit after dinner like you know, like oh, i don't know many people don't have <laughs> rich teas like that Which much like, yes, to be honest, it's delicious.
0: a pathetic biscuit people who like a rich tea they should just not be listening. no yeah, exactly unless
2: it's top, like well no actually unless it's topped with like nutella or something like that but then you know there's chocolate mm. hobnobs
0: yeah absolutely mm. a hobnob that that drinks the tea for you when you dip it in <laughs> yeah, you
2: can, you can some high risk ones actually my dad always has what's those ones the flake meal ones and they're like a half a second dip
0: they're oh there's a danger dip danger dip Never. And I suppose, uh, that's Sean, you, something else. I'm going to bring us on a different one. And, and I, t- I suppose we've talked on the, the basics of, of the struggles I have had for years. You've, you've busted stuff that's been on me for a long time. And, and the, the carb thing still recently, i would had people saying, and, and I'm, I'm leaning towards the endurance side of things. And yeah. because um, ahead of me after this call, I have a two hour cycle and a half hour run to come. And yeah. people were saying more fats, less carbs, unless you're yeah. doing a run, maybe have another 20 grams of carbs mm. and. What, what should people, because I know a lot of our listeners are into the endurance game, yeah. what should people be aiming for? And they're probably doing it wrong. What, what, what is the best balance for when you're going into that kind of endurance, half Ironman levels or marathon levels? Mm-hmm.
2: So sometimes people prefer or they like, they feel, they say they like or feel good having a higher fat, lower carb diet or doing like kind of like, I suppose, trying to get a little bit fat adapted. So even if you are doing that, like, low carb or fasted training your body will be yes oxidizing and using more fat but that doesn't mean that that doesn't translate to any performance benefits so it's just making people aware of that i suppose more than anything else and if you are doing kind of any like train low um things throughout the week you'd want to limit it to two a week and then always have at least a couple of higher carb sessions um in and around two so for someone who was doing like an iron man or something like that they'd be wanting upwards of six grams of carbohydrate per kilogram per day which is loads to get in so that's where like the honeys the jams like the jelly babies are going to be going to be your friend um there as well speak so it's my just, language yeah, it, <laughs> it like if you have a fire and you've got like coal and it'll roar the fire or if you use like the damp wood that kind of the fire still goes but it's not you know it's not burning as bright as what it could if that makes sense
0: yeah absolutely it it, it does make and it's, it's something i've tossed with because i'm a lover i'm a lover of breads i'm a lover mm. of my rices I, I like a curry dinner a, a, or yeah. a spaghetti or a bolognese and they're my go-to things and and one thing i my philosophy is is yes i can restrict it and i can have more profane or more carrot, but then mm. I like to be happy. I'm not training to be punishing myself. So if if I can balance both training and foods. And I think
2: as well, like people need to realize that I suppose keto is yet really low, low amounts of carbs, like below 50 grams is it of carbs a day, but low carb is classified as less than 120 grams. And one slice of bread has 15 to 20 grams. So even low carb like has a decent amount of carbs compared to what most people would have anyway. Um, so I suppose it's just educating people that I suppose sometimes people don't like to classify their diet as high carb or like, you know, having loads of carbs in it. So maybe just educating them that actually like, you know, you could have what oh, I'm doing this miles. It's very difficult. What? Six slices of bread and you're still low carb classified. Um, oh, my
0: God. You've changed my
2: world. <laughs> I love bread.
1: I'm about to go full circle on this, so bear with me in this question. Um, You were talking about there mixing up a little bit some days, having higher carbs and and some lower. If you mixed up my runs, I know from my own experience, if I have three meals beforehand, and you probably know where I'm going with this, and then I'm having that higher carb thing through the day, and if I go for a run in the evening, I probably be at least 2k before I come back, and I got to go. Yeah. So. Is that happening because I'm I'm having to, and um, my body's not used to having that much carb stuff before running, or what? What like, am I messing with my stomach, with system too much, or?
2: So I suppose it's like everything. Like people, if you think about how many times people train a week, mm. so maybe like what between like four and six, maybe if people are into it but they eat at least 21 times a week but no one really gives as much time to thinking about their nutrition or thinking about their food in and around training so the important thing with that is to remember that one you can train your gut so if you eat something you're like geez like eating before runs is not for me then you can always tweak that go for lower amounts and spread out the time before that you'll be having something like that as well because everyone's different but usually up to 50% of Active people will have like runners' trots they call it, <laughs> or, <laughs> um, or like gut issues whether that be they feel sick or bloated or need the loo or just just don't feel like they're really performing that well. But you want to try and I suppose just keep practicing and see what works for you. Like if actual food or higher carb foods don't work, then maybe like a smoothie or milk or yogurt or something that'll get digested a little bit quicker and um, might work better. So whenever I worked with those cyclists, like. I, there was three of them and they were so different in terms of what they could tolerate. So one had like a stomach of steel, could have eaten a roast dinner and got on the bike. The other, towards the end, was like jam sandwich, like production line. And then the third one was just on milk. So I suppose it shows like their different levels of of tolerance. Um as well. So yeah, it's just try and test. And if you find that that's always happening, then push out what you're eating. So it's maybe like three hours before you'd go for a run or or four hours before and see if that makes any difference or go for a smaller amount and then practice again. But generally you want to avoid the two F's before um like a longer event or more intense. So the fiber and the fats because they sit in the stomach for a little bit longer. So they'll be gurgling around um in there whenever you do start exercising.
0: And just on that on milk I, I know there has been this other theory about milk being the better than water for recovery and rehydration yeah. is there is there anything to it?
2: Yeah and actually like um, there's a really good if you google beverage hydration index there's really good like infographics that come up where milk is actually better than your sports drinks and things like that so again like brilliant marketing from the sports drinks um, or if you want to make your own like if you have uh, You're like half a pint of water, half a pint of fruit, just in a pinch of salt. Then you've got yourself and your own made, I suppose, sports drink. But where milk gets additional benefits is it already has electrolytes in it. It's a fluid. So you're replacing the two things you've lost in sweat. So your electrolytes, your fluids. um, And then it's also got protein and carbs in the perfect ratio to help with glycogen or energy replenishment. As well. So it's a good one stop shop. And actually, there's loads of studies on chocolate milk, which people love to hear because I suppose after like mm. maybe a longer, more intense session, then eating or having something maybe doesn't come to mind or isn't that appealing for a lot of people. So, like a cold pint of um, chocolate milk or something like that can come in really handy. And all the shops have it as well now. So, if someone's traveling for their sport or something like that, then it's really avail- easily available to.
0: That's absolutely music to my ears. But because I'm a big eater, I am, <laughs> I, um, I would be like that after a long session. I can't, I find it very difficult to eat. I know everyone's like, oh, you need to eat straight away. I really can't. It takes like a good hour yeah. for me to yeah. come down off it. But like that, I'd have a protein shake I've, I've, yeah. I've and I use a whipped milk. And I, I found that is has really helped me in the last six to eight yeah. months. It's, it's been absolutely amazing for me and something that's worked. But now that I know chocolate milk is on the cards, this is <laughs> game. And uh,
2: especially if someone gets home from work and then they're like, okay, right, I'll have like dinner just the way things work and then I'll train. They don't really want to be having like a big meal and then lying down and going to sleep. So, like, that's where liquids can come in, I suppose, a bit handier um, there too.
0: Brilliant. And to change this again, I suppose, when we're talking about all our, our myths yeah. and uh, everything, when we're looking at the athletic side as well and, and the longer distance, we've, we spoke about the food, but relative. Energy deficiency in sports—something oh, we've come across. I mean, Sean, I have no idea.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want me to take the floor?
0: That's it. Yes. it's all you.
2: <laughs> okay, so it's easier just if we call it red. So again, yeah, it stands for relative energy deficiency in sport. It used to be referred to as the female athlete triad because I suppose when females are in kind of lower energy balance or in a larger energy deficit for longer. Then they might lose their periods, and that's a big red flag and a big no-no that you want to avoid. But actually, previously, maybe for things like ballet, long-distance runners, it was kind of a given that, like, if you know years gone past, if you went to your doctor and were like, "Okay, I've lost my period," and they're like, "Oh, but you're a runner, so that's kind of expected." But actually, you know, you're a human being, and your health is a priority before any sport that you do because that sport's always going to come to an end at some stage. But actually, you know, after that, if then you finish and you're like, "Oh yeah, but I love that sport," but you've ended up with osteoporosis or, you know, you've kind of, I suppose, neglected your health long-term, then it's really important that that's highlighted to people. So basically it's just where your body's in energy, in like an energy deficit for too long, where actually you've reduced the energy or maybe increased activity. So sometimes it can be intentional where people are restricting their energy intake by load, so by like a really large amount or for a long period of time. Um, where then actually the energy they need for general, I suppose, bodily functions like pumping blood around the body, digestion, keeping you warm, that there is reduced because actually your body is dipping into that energy pool for the activity that you're asking it to do. So if you think about it, like even if you're exhausted and you went out for a run, you'd still run for a bit. Your body wouldn't just stop you dead and be like, mm-hmm. no, you're not going for a run. So it has to then tap into that energy supply for all your, I suppose, healthy bodily functions the other side of that thing is that actually maybe say if i started training for a marathon today didn't change my food at all but my weight you know was stable at the minute and then i start up with my training loads don't change my food at all then you're again then that exercise is dipping into that energy supply for for all your other bodily functions so as a if you like numbers so anything below 45 kilocalories per kilogramme of fat-free mass is classified as low energy availability, especially, and I suppose dangerously so, is 30 kilocalories per kilogram of fat-free mass. So say if you know your percentage fat or kilograms of fat in your body, you minus that from your weight, times that number by 45, and that's the minimum amount of calories that you would need to be having to be an optimal Energy balance. So, in males, I suppose that can manifest in different ways. It can mean less morning erections um, and also um, like bone fractures and things like that. So, I suppose in some ways, females are lucky because you get that red flag of like, okay, like maybe my menstrual cycle, like it used to come bang on 28 days and now it's coming like 33, 35. It's lengthening out, or maybe it might drop off completely and you miss it a month. Whereas males don't kind of have that heads up. So, maybe they're training in really low energy availability and down the line, then they get an injury and then that's just them out for, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months. But where I suppose it becomes a bit more important for females to realise is that if they, so like this happened to me. So basically I thought happy days, no period, like great. Getting for every month. And then, um, I think someone said to me I was like you're not worried about your bones or like fertility and something I was like what I was like sure I'm like 21 like it doesn't really matter and like I was studying dietetics so like I should have known but um like I'm not an athlete I was just going to the gym like li- living and like shared accommodation but do you know when you get in a rhythm you can control all your food mm-hmm. like you know you're just in the zone I suppose and then um and my BMI was always in the normal range like my body fat as well so it can happen to anyone you can be overweight you could be obese like you can i suppose it just is all about the stresses on the body whether under eating over exercising or just psychological stress um as well so estrogen protects the bone but if you're not getting a period your estrogen's really low so you don't have that bone protection so after three months without a period um if it's to do with energy availability then your bones kind of become less of a yorky and more of a crunchy if that makes sense like they get yeah. a bit oily, which is not what you want and you can actually every year without having a period you can lose 2 to 3% of your bone mass which is a massive amount if you think of like runners who've like been running for ages and they're like oh yeah like during my like a, you know high competition years when you know they were in their peak that they maybe didn't have a period or they maybe had one or two a year that's a, a massive detriment to their health, so I suppose when I see people coming to see me and they're like, "Hey, yeah, we're like really want to improve performance," and they're like, "Oh, yeah, but like aren't carbs bad?" or like, you know, I do that—that's a massive amount that you're telling me to eat there. So I suppose it's educating them actually. Like, if you have lost your period, if you're in relative energy deficiency, if you're a male and you're lower energy availability for a long period of time, regardless of how much training you do, you'll never reach your optimum performance. Because your body can only reach that when everything else, all the other boxes are ticked, like menstruation, bone health, digestion, all those types of things. So quite commonly, um, we'd see people with it and they'll say like number one is their hands and feet are always freezing, like they can never get heated. They might get a bit of like digestive issues, like bloating, constipation, because if you think your guts are muscles, so the less you use it, the less frequently you use it and the less energy there is to I suppose, um, make it work efficiently, then it's going to slow down and get a bit sluggish. So people might think, oh, geez, like I've got IBS or um, something like that, when actually it's all related to just how much they're eating, I suppose, overall. Um, And it can affect a lot of things. Like, you, you know, sometimes people, if it is unintentional reds, um, then there is no disordered eating. But I'd say for the vast majority of people that I see for Reds or um, loss of periods, that there is definitely an element of disordered eating in there as well. Um, and a good way to think about it. Sorry, I'm like yarning on, but I just. No, <laughs> so basically a good way to think about it is if you think if your phone's on like 2% battery and you run into shop and your friend's like, right, I'll pull up here is a really busy route. I'll pull up here and call you whenever I'm outside, come out quickly. And you're like, right, okay, go, go, go. And then you look down your phone's 2% battery and you're in the queue and you're like, oh my gosh, they're going to ring me. And then my phone's going to run out of battery. And then they're going to have to drive on around the town and you're not going to find them. So you exit out of all the apps that you don't need you dim the brightness and that's kind of what your your body does I suppose your body's your phone is where it thinks okay like we don't have enough energy for menstruation we don't really have that much energy for digestion we don't have that much energy for keeping you warm so it kind of suppresses them makes them I suppose makes them function on a lower energy but they're not optimal as well so you kind of want to I suppose re I suppose restart re-nourish and kick up the metabolism again because actually your metabolism will get a bit like we'll see like the thyroid function will reduce a little bit as well where actually your body's doing everything but just in a lower level of energy so it's not doing it as efficiently as what it could do um but yeah sorry
0: and and uh, <laughs> on a follow-on to that does does sleep have a factor or is it more so would you say it's 80% food related or is it sleep paradise? um
2: it's mostly food related, but actually, like there's more, there's a really, I think it's like 4.6 times more likely to get an injury if your sleep is poor. I think it's below six hours a night. And actually, the growth hormone peaks after a certain amount of sleep. So if you're always getting broken sleep or you're, you know, kind of sleep deprived, then that um, will have a big impact on things. But actually, reds can impact on your sleep and make sleep poor because. Sometimes people might say, you know, like I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like ravenous or I find it hard to get to sleep. But actually maybe their mind's more preoccupied with the food side of things or maybe haven't eaten enough throughout the day.
0: So it turns into a slightly vicious cycle if if, if the food isn't there it's affecting sleep <clears throat> and it gets worse and worse. Yeah.
2: And maybe some sports, it's probably more likely, like if you think about rowing, like you're in skimpy clothing, there's nowhere to hide. Things where it's like weight making sports um, as well, or um, just really high level training where there's maybe back to back sessions or the rest and recovery period is really short as well. So I suppose that's where nutrition becomes absolutely key in that.
0: And for people who are not doing it right, where is obviously talking to yourself is one way that people can get the best advice. And, and yeah, but most people are afraid, or or, or uh, let's call it, yeah. they don't like to part way with uh-huh. money to talk about food, you know, like because everyone knows yeah. the best. But what is the best way for the likes of me going to do an Ironman? What, yeah. What's the best way for me to come up with a plan, or how do I go, or what is the steps I can do to avoid these kind of situations?
2: So, I suppose you want to think about fuel in and around sessions and getting enough just throughout the day. So most people think on rest days, okay, actually I need to eat less here. But if you think if you're training hard, say for an Ironman, your rest day is your recovery day and recovery needs enough energy as well. Um, So I suppose like if you are someone who's active and has a rest day, you're thinking, geez, like I don't need to eat the, this much food. I'm just lying on the sofa all day. But actually your muscles are working to, you know, um, rebuild um, the amino acids and things that have been broken down in the previous day as well um and then you want to avoid if you do feel like you're slipping into that you want to avoid any fasted activity because naturally when we get up in the morning time our stress levels sit a little bit higher and things that make that go higher are not eating and also then exercise as well so then that's just stress 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 and stress i suppose puts the body into that kind of red state as well. So usually I tell people just to Google whatever they are looking for, if they're going to Google anything food, put dietation at the end of it and something of better quality should come up usually.
0: So that is the the little key bit of advice we were looking for because uh like, you know you get a nosebleed you Google it you're you're gonna yeah. die tomorrow so write your will you know it's, exactly
2: it's, yeah or it's even close. I think Sport Ireland have good um, resources as well if you just Google it, so it's like Red Dash S is the the name of it and there's loads of good good podcasts so if you just put in that and then podcasts as well um if I was seeing some for I, obviously I can tell them all this but it's good for that that to be reinforced by some other sources of information. So I always like recommend podcasts that people can listen to as well, I suppose, just to, because the things maybe I'm telling them go against everything that they want to or feel that they need to do. Maybe in some cases, like you need to reduce the exercise, reduce the high intensity exercise and like the running types of activities till we get your body back to where it needs to be. And that can be a really difficult one because people say, well, actually exercise de-stresses me. But actually when you get down to it, they're stressing so much about trying to fit in that exercise or that level of activity that it actually isn't a de-stressor for them. Like walking yoga would be much better for them at the minute. And it's not to say that that's the way things need to go forever and ever, but it's just until you kind of get out of that, I suppose, energy deficient state. Well, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, a dry mouth after that. I, just-
0: <laughs> oh, uh, I To be honest with you to look back at a, on a lot of the things I've done in both career and and training, I've probably found myself in that state. Now that I've been thinking about it, and I was thinking about it, as you're saying, I was like, I have definitely put myself into this kind of situation. Yeah. Um, uh, and I remember
2: going to a conference. Yeah. Actually, it was like a sports nutrition conference, and this. Um, girl got up I wish I could remember her name but she got up and she was talking about reds and she was talking about like we well, use this case study of this 13 year old runner who you know goes to school comes over runs then she'll get food she'll go to bed she'll study or whatnot and she's really into her sport like nothing was going to stop her um but she wanted to you know back in the day like it was seen like the lighter on your feet or the smaller a runner you wear the better you wear or you were praised for that I suppose as well um, and then at the end of it, she was like, but this same girl had to stop running like at the age of 17. And at the age of 17, she had osteoporosis, something that like not even her granny had at that stage. So I suppose that's a drastic um, case, but it can it can happen. And it does happen and we see it happening as well. So it is a very real concern. Well, I suppose
1: you're putting in all that work and then other people are "Gee, Because obviously, yeah, you, know, you are having so few calories that that's kicking in. But You'd have mm-hmm. to be losing weight during that. And people are like, oh, geez, you look great. You've lost a lot of weight. And that would spur you on whether you feel tired or not. Like, oh, yeah. geez, I'm on the right track. I just got to keep on going. So, exactly.
2: Basically. And I think there was actually a runner called, it, she, I think she's Australian, Sarah Bartholomew, potentially. She put up a really good um, Instagram post in and around Eating Disorders Week. And it all was about like how she was praised for being like so lean in her best physical condition. And actually she was like, if I was honest with myself at that stage, mm-hmm. I was in the worst health condition i could have been at, at that stage but when you get that positive reinforcement you think oh actually no like i need to keep what would they think if i stopped running or like i'll be really lazy if i don't do any activity and those types of things as well so that's where i suppose like therapy and and counseling that side of things have become really important too just to help deal with um that side of things too
1: yeah so- I always- phenomenal yeah a hundred percent i always say just to figure figure it out I, I just on guys and stuff that the, um when the bodybuilders up on stage and they look incredible shape and all the rest mm-hmm. and they paint themselves the tan and whatever yeah. and it's like they up there on stage are at their absolute weakest like they yeah. could, they will find that they're yeah. so dehydrated they'll find it so hard to get up the steps to, to just mm-hmm. stand there and the pose takes up all the energy it's kind of like you want to look like that but you want to look so weak you can barely make up the stairs you have to be helped get upstairs and stuff like yeah. there there is a sort of balance catching that was unbelievable and um, i kind of had to just shut up there the last 15 yeah. 20 minutes because of so much i've never been so much out of my depth before on this oh, podcast God. but uh that yeah. no that was genuinely unbelievable i've listened back to that game myself take notes and on that one just from my own background um fantastic Erica- i think
2: it's one of those things like when i became a dietitian i was like oh i really want to like I like work in weight loss, like love that side of things. And then actually, I suppose like people always say, oh, you'll find like what area lights you up or like you're most interested in. And I think just because I experienced that side of things and also because like so many young girls come to us and like, it's, you know, it's 15, 16. shouldn't be worrying about half the stuff that they're worrying about or missing out on like their childhood yeah. just for the sake of, you know, looking thinner or smaller and those types of things um, as well. And also, like, it's a nice job whenever you're, like, trying to help people to eat more um, as opposed to eat less, I suppose, as well.
0: And it is a fantastic way to put it as well, because everything out there, and we're surrounded by social media, and it's it's probably the most hurtful thing for people self-esteem, ironically enough, and it's all yeah. about eating less and diets and look skinny and look yeah. like...
2: And the before and same. after pictures, like, someone's after could be someone's before, and, like, I suppose it's a difficult one to navigate those side of things because even if you recover from an eating disorder everyone always talks about we everyone always talks about like which diet should be best like on the news there's always some new headline in the newspapers there's always some new headline as well so it does take a lot of mental strength to just be like no like this is my path this is my body this is my food and it's not applicable to everyone else or you know there's no blanket recommendations as well
0: yeah and it's it's definitely exactly. an individual thing to an individual taste as well and, and work them in the right ways and and be happy with your choices like last mm-hmm. night i have no problem i had a big mac last night and i loved everybody yeah <laughs> and it's in years ago i was a bigger guy and and to come to this stage now mm-hmm. where i'm happy to accept i'll eat a big mac because i know yeah. the work i've put in and in actual fact i probably still didn't eat enough calories you know yeah. like it's, it's uh, with work and stuff so it's yeah. um yeah, so hopefully, hopefully, the, there is a nice message out there. Have you any final messages for anyone who's maybe struggling, or to to wrap up? Have you any final messages to kind of give to people a bit of advice and how best to go about their day?
2: Um, I suppose number one would be to if you wouldn't say it to your friend, then don't say it to yourself or about yourself because you wouldn't like people talk so negatively about themselves or to themselves or beat themselves up, but they would never dream of t- saying that to anyone else. So. Actually, you know, there's no way that you should be saying those things to yourself and also to get in contact with someone who has a background in working with people who maybe have what they're struggling with as well.
1: Yep. Unbelievable, and the that was phenomenal. We genuinely could have you on for another hour. Definitely, some stage too, you You'll get get an email for a part two, hopefully. So, um, oh, Catherine thanks again for this podcast. Really, really insightful, really helpful. I'm a hundred percent sure people listening got benefit out of that. So, with that said, guys, we're gonna wrap up this episode of the podcast. Thank you once again for listening to this week's any this week's episode of the Any Given Monday podcast from myself, Eric, and Catherine Take care. Bye.